Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode, and today we are going to discuss the nexus women entrepreneurs, North Korea, the communities, the role of solar, the role of clean energy and climate justice. And we do it with Catherine Lucey, who is the founder and CEO of Solar Sister. Thank you so much, Catherine, for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Catherine, I know you are working and you have been a change maker, recognized with, with your work, especially in the solar space and with women in communities all over the world. But the usual question that we ask our guests, who is Catherine? What is your sustainability journey? I started my career in banking and building power plants, large-scale power plants all over the world. From that experience, we were raising billions of dollars of financing to put in place huge power plants. And from that experience, I really understood how energy is fundamental for development, that no country comes into the modern era without access to energy to power its you know, productivity. Well, I was working in banking and ended up taking a break and was able to focus on things that were really close to my heart. So I spent some time doing some work in women's economic empowerment and environmental issues, both philanthropically and through working in those areas, and ended up working with a small family foundation that was installing rural power on small installations, schools and clinics in rural Uganda. And I got to see, we did a, a particular project where we were installing solar on homes, every home in a village. And this was a village that had no electricity whatsoever. So people were still lighting their homes with kerosene lamps. They were still cooking over open fires. And we put a solar panel on each and every home and to see the transformation in that village of the life of the families and of the village itself, simply by having light, you know, it changes everything. Children are able to study at night. The streets are safer when you're walking from, you know, one lit home to another, um, you know, people's productivity, they could extend the hours of whatever, maybe they're weaving baskets or something like that. And they could do that in the evening after they'd already done their day's work and earn some extra money. And so I, I could see that it was just completely true at the household level, what I knew to be true at the big infrastructure country level. I just became really fascinated with the size of this problem is enormous. People, there's currently like six or 700 million people who don't have access to electricity across sub-Saharan Africa. And it just shouldn't exist in this day and age. We have the technology, we have the ability, it's affordable, it's distributable. And I just became very focused on, we have this enormous problem, we have a solution, but why isn't it happening? Why isn't it coming together? Answering that question became the genesis of what then became Solar Sister. It's incredible, also relates a lot to what I'm doing also in my day job and the work we see. Solar and bringing energy to rural communities really unlock the potential and really transform lives. And as you said, this journey has become the beginning of Solar Sisters. And can you tell more about what it is, what is the mission that you're doing, and how, what are you trying to achieve? Solar Sister is a social enterprise. So we use a business model 
to bring energy, clean energy to people who need it most. So we are focused on people living in those off-grid rural areas across Sub-Saharan Africa and making sure that they have the ability to access the power that they need for their lives. We do this with a network of local women entrepreneurs. And so the work we do is we recruit, train, and support local women to run clean energy businesses that bring solar lights, clean cook stoves, um, solar home systems, appliances, solar powered energy appliances that can um, help them in their farms or in their shops or you know doing the work that they need to do. And the women are running a business to deliver, you know, make these products available in the community. And so the women are earning income. So there's an impact of economic empowerment for women in their own communities, which is tremendous. There's also the impact of people who didn't have access to clean energy now have access to clean energy and they're replacing, you know, wood or charcoal or kerosene and now using clean energy sources. And that has a tremendous impact both on the ability to the the lighting and the power that that provides those families, but also on the impact on the environment and on the health of the families and the safety. And so it's got this whole ripple of impacts at the community level and at the environmental level. So there's a big climate impact here as well. And it's all driven by these local women entrepreneurs. We currently have over 9,000 women entrepreneurs bringing clean energy to their communities. And so we've reached nearly 4 million people with clean energy. One by one, basically, you know, it's 4 million people. That's a lot of people. And that happened because these 9,000 women entrepreneurs are daily making these products available to people. And I want to go a bit deeper on that, on the business model and the work. Why you have chosen women? And and the second one, if you can, you have the impressive number and the work. So if you can tell also your geographical reach, where have you reached also, you know, in which countries are you working? We're working currently in Nigeria, which is the country that has the highest number of unelectrified homes. Also in Tanzania, which has um, one of the highest percentages of unelectrified homes. And in Kenya, which has um, also a lot of people who don't have access to electricity. So we're in those three countries currently. When Solar Sister first started, it was developed to be a market-based solution. So we knew that we needed to give people access to energy, to clean energy. And in order to do that in a way that was sustainable over time, it needed to be grounded in a local business solution. And the problem we were solving was not a technology problem. It was not a market demand problem. It was a distribution problem. And so we needed to distribute the products. We needed to make sure there was a supply chain to get these products into these hard to reach communities, that there was a, a shop or an entrepreneur there who would sell them to the community and stay in that community once they became successful rather than pick up and leave and move to the city or something like that. We needed somebody who would stay around once they built the business. And we needed to ask the very first question was, who is our customer? If we're going to sell products, who's our customer? And we looked into it and the customer for clean energy, for energy of any kind, is the woman who's making a day-to-day -day decision in the household of how am I going to cook dinner tonight? 
How am I going to light my home? How am I going to, you know, am I going to walk for hours to collect wood to burn in my stove, in my, you know, open fire? Am I going to walk to the market to buy a jug of kerosene to pour in my lamps? Am I going to buy two days worth or a whole week's worth today? So these are the kinds of decisions women are making to figure out how, how are they going to you know maintain and run their household. And it's within the woman's budget, even if there's not very much money in the family, there's going to be some budget set aside or budget of either time or money set aside to make those decisions. What we needed was for that woman to decide, well, instead of paying $4 for kerosene for two days worth of light, I'll buy this solar lamp that cost me $10. And I will have, you know, it's going to last for years. So that's a pretty easy economic decision. Instead of paying $4 every few days, I can buy a $10 lamp once. And then I can use the savings in my household for other things. And so understanding that the woman was the customer, she is, you know, she's very budget conscious, you know, she's going to make the right economic decision because she's not got a lot of extra money to spend. And for, to be able to know that she's going to recognize I can free up 80 or $100 out of my annual budget by choosing a solar light. And so, you know, it was the challenge there was these women in these rural communities who haven't used much technology in their lives, it's a risk for them to buy some new gadget. And so you, in order to sell them here, try the solar light, they have to trust that it's going to work. They have to trust that it is, you know, the person who's selling it to them is going to sell them a good product. And that's where we decided to have local women whom we could train about the products and about the technology and have them be the ones who are selling to their communities. So it's not some stranger from the big city who comes into town and tries to sell a bunch of gadgets and then goes back to the big city. It's her neighbor who's selling her, hey, I use this product in my own home. It works. My baby doesn't cough at night anymore. I haven't had a burn this year. I am saving so much money. My son is going to school and now he studies at night and he's gotten the top class marks. And so, you know, one woman to another tells exactly what are the benefits of this product and why you would want to buy it in a way that's trusted and understood and so effective. And so by setting up a network of local women entrepreneurs, we were able to give them economic opportunity, which keeps them in the game, you know, they are running these businesses and they're benefiting from it. So they're going to keep doing it, which makes the network incredibly strong, this distribution network very strong. And also she brings to the business her own social network of her family, her friends, her neighbors, her community. You know, she becomes known in her community as the solar sister. And then everybody knows, oh, if I want one of those lights, I'm going to go visit the Solar Sister. And she, it helps her build a brand and a presence and a reputation of quality and you know service that then really helps her in her business. And so it produces these twin benefits of, you know, 
the more the solar sister entrepreneur becomes known, the better her business does. And the better her business does, the better she does. And it's really interesting. And you touch a lot of the problems that I also witnessed in my work. So the product's been dumped by some businessmen coming and then going, the repair, the work, the trust on the solar. And it's really important, the work. So you can become a solar sister. You can get into the training. You need some... And also how the business model works. So are you producing the solar or you're just distributing how it works? So Solar Sister, the organization, we act in the middle between a variety of different manufacturers and designers of solar products, clean energy, cook stoves, all of all of these kinds of products, because they're all made. There are not a, a huge number, but there's different manufacturers making different products. So we build a relationship with the suppliers because we're buying in bulk, because we have been in this business for a while, you know, we're able to negotiate a very excellent, you know, price for the products. And then we import them and bring them in the size quantity that the entrepreneurs are going to want to buy. So they're going to want to buy 10 or five or 20 at a time, not a container load. So we're able to buy a big container load, break it down into the amounts that the entrepreneurs will want to purchase for their inventory, we're able to sell it to them at a price that covers our distribution cost of getting the product to them. And then they add a margin that is their own profit. So they're making a real business out of it and sell it at a retail price. And you also do that then the subsequent training. So how do you choose the women? We go into a community, our local team, our entire team is local. So the local staff member is called a business development associate. And the business development associate is going to be from that district or region that she's working in. So she knows very well sort of the towns in that district, who the communities are, um, and she'll go into a community if we haven't been in it before and talk with some of the community leaders and get some recommendations and referrals of like who who are the strong women's groups in this community who are the leaders and, and she'll talk to those women leaders and ask them we have this great business opportunity that we want to bring into this community who can you recommend might be interested in becoming a solar sister entrepreneur businesswoman and they'll recommend maybe two or three or you know five women and of that, it's an opportunity. So we're not forcing anybody to be an entrepreneur who doesn't want to be, but we are offering up this opportunity. And, you know, sometimes somebody will get it right away and see the opportunity for their community and be like, I want to be the solar sister entrepreneur. We'll say, okay, apply. And then um, if they apply, then we provide the training and the access to the products and they start up in business. And we make it so that it's such a simple business. You're buying quality products, you're adding a margin, you're selling them, you're finding because the products are so needed in the community, there's a demand for these products. And so it's a simple business that any woman could fit into her life if she chose. So we have entrepreneur women who are, they might be teachers, but they don't make enough money teaching to actually take care of their family. Or they might be healthcare workers and many healthcare workers, community healthcare workers doing really hard work, going around to their community and making sure everybody's got the right access to medicines or, you know, health information and things like that. They're often not paid. They're volunteer positions, they're community volunteer positions. So healthcare workers 
see this as like, I am already going out in the market and talking to everybody in the community. And here's a way that I can, you know, use that network of what I'm doing to actually earn some money while I'm doing my work. So, you know, that kind of, and then um, many of the women are farmers, you know, it's a 90% agricultural community. So everybody has like a small one acre farm or two acres or something like this. And so seasonally, you know, when they're planting and when they're harvesting, they're completely busy. And in between those times, there's actually a lot of time that they can do another kind of business. And so they become seasonal solar sister entrepreneurs. So the beauty of the simplicity of the business is that each one of these women can find a way to, to bring this income into their lives and benefit from it. It's really impactful in the way because, you know, women, they're very good. And, and when you discuss the health worker, I know plentiful of them, they can work and do a wonderful job, especially with community. I want to ask a question. Since uh, we know that indoor pollution and pollution is also an important part and is not only about the health part, but it's also the climate, the emissions and the work. In the way of uh, working to bring additional affordability for these products, are you also exploring the, the carbon market, the voluntary carbon markets to, to even improve uh, your reach? So the products we sell do provide an incredible environmental benefit. And so we've... Um... CO2E avoided is something like over a million tons of the products that we've sold. So there's a very direct and immediate benefit to the environment that by making these choices, the women entrepreneurs and their customers are really at the leading edge of, of climate action. You know, they are making the, the changes in their lives that we should all be making, you know, better, cleaner changes. So they are very inspiring and, and we should be supporting that for sure. One of the ways that the markets are evolving to try to support that and try to encourage those kinds of um, choices is the are these carbon markets. The challenge with the carbon markets is bringing what is a pretty sophisticated financial product down to the level of the actual person who's making the, the change in their lives, who should be the one who's benefiting from that carbon credit. And so, you know, trying to make sure that a sophisticated financial transaction is kind of working its way through the entire system down to benefiting the person who made the choice and is not getting stuck somewhere in the middle with bankers or lawyers. <laughs> so we're working on carbon credits and it is, I think that market will evolve to become more accessible for these last mile consumers. But right now that that path hasn't quite closed. And that is the concern that we have discussed even with other people in this podcast. So you know how you can unlock the financial flows to the real beneficial to the people really on the ground. I want to ask a question that is usually one that people like a lot. If you can tell us some impact stories from your work, if you have some stories that really inspired you and in work that you have done so far. One of our entrepreneurs, um, her name's Fatma, and she's been a solar sister entrepreneur since 2014, so nine years now. And um, she became an entrepreneur because she saw the products and saw that she could really use solar lighting in her home and it would benefit her and her family. And she bought the product, she used it, and she became convinced that everyone in her community needed one of these. And so she signed up to become a solar sister entrepreneur 
She benefits from making income, but really her motivation was this is something that my community, my friends, my family that live near me also need. And so she started selling the lights in her community and she made a commitment early on that every household in that community needed a solar light. So she was on a mission. <laughs> she was, you know, had it in her head. And a few months into it, she realized it was going very well. She was making these sales, but it wasn't happening fast enough to make her satisfied. And so she ended up recruiting six other women to come alongside her and also make sales in this community so that they could get solar into everyone's home faster. And they achieved their goal. And in that community, it's a community in Tanzania, sort of in the, you can see Mount Kilimanjaro from her yard. It's a really beautiful, beautiful place. Every household in that community now has a solar lamp. And then the women who had made this big challenge to themselves to do this were like, okay, well, now what do we do? And so then they realized, well, you know, with the money that I earned from selling solar lamps, I actually bought a larger system that could also charge my phone. So then they went back out and said, okay, this is really useful too. So they had a new product to bring and, and they started, you know, selling these phone chargers. And then they started um, upgrading people to home systems. And then they started bringing in cleaner cook stoves, efficient cook stoves, so that people could stop cooking on open fires and instead use these very efficient cook stoves that produce much less smoke and use much less fuel. They have, over the years, kept evolving their, you know, expanding their product mix. And it's both a matter of they know their market so well, they know what people need. And they are determined that people will get what people need. So they've been an incredible example. And, you know, Fatma has made so much money selling all these solar and products and things like that, that she invested in a cow. And she's in a community where cattle is really the wealth of, the, of a family. You put your money in, she bought livestock. So she bought this cow and she named her cow Solar. So, and so, you know, if, if you um, go to our website, I think there's somewhere where you can see a picture of Fatma with her cow and she's shining a solar light on it because she uses her solar light to go out and check on the animals in the evening or to, you know, sh close the fence. Or she's even one of the products that they sell is a security light that like a strobe kind of flashes in the night and that keeps away predators. And so it's this completely full circle of she's in the business for the benefits of the solar, but the benefits of the solar help her be in business. And then she's brought that to her community. And then she, together with these other women that she has also opened up this opportunity, have earned enough money to actually begin to accumulate wealth. And so it is really, you know, from this one single solar light bulb that started the whole thing has been this incredible transformation of Fatma, her family, her community, the other women in her community group. I think that's what we're all about is, you know, our intervention is actually, as I say, it's really simple and it's really small in its way. You know, a single solar lamp is not a big thing. But it is the spark of, you know, really transformational change. And you really, you start small, but you keep spinning the wheel and then you can see the transformation in society. The history of Fatma is such an inspirational one. So yeah. And I want to ask this, especially we are discussing about women and your approach. 
it's really centered about women entrepreneurship. And the question I want to ask, especially working in the space in Africa, where we know traditionally society is, has been very strongly a patriarchal society and the role of women have been I mean, secondary in many of those uh, areas. And also, you know, in, in the latitudes, even in the North world, is not many years that we are still fighting for that. So I want to ask, how important is gender equity for you to achieving the sustainable solution for climate change and development since you are working in this space? And how, you know, you, you really see the, the way forward for that? Well, I'm going to answer that question in two different ways. First of all, gender equity is essential for development and for achieving the goals we seek. You know, if we, we're not going to be a sustainable and world if we are only looking at half of the world's population as being, you know, where we need to provide our solution to, or even where we're getting our solution from, you know, so you, we have to include women, not just because they need to be half of who benefits from development, but because they have to be 50% of who contributes to development. So women are very much a part of the solution. And in the particular area that we're working in, where we're really looking at the household level, changes at the household level, benefits at the household level, you know, the woman is the heart of that household. You know, the traditional society not only doesn't change that, it kind of reinforces that the, the woman is the real heart of the household, you know, the core of it. And so where the woman goes, the entire household goes. And so, you know, a household doesn't really move forward if a woman is held back. And so by coming in and providing women with an economic opportunity that is able to be pursued without disrupting her other traditional, cultural, or personal choice of how she spends her time in her life, you know, we don't make a woman go from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon uh, to sit in a shop in order to earn income. This is a business that she's the boss of. She gets to decide if she does it five days a week, eight hours a day, or if she wants to do it two hours on Sunday after church when she's talking amongst her friends, or if she wants to do it while she's doing her rounds as a healthcare worker. So she gets to choose and it's that choice that allows and also promotes her own agency. So she's making choices. Her choices are giving her feedback of success. And that is bringing in very practical, needed income into a family. And what we have found is that not only is it not disruptive for families, but when women have income that they have brought into the family, it removes a lot of the stress in a family. A lot of stress in families, this is true everywhere in the world, comes from the financial stress that they're under, right? And so, you know, if, a, if bringing a little bit of extra income into the family means that she doesn't have to ask her husband for so much money for the household expenses. Mm -hmm. Well, right there, that's like a, a power dynamic and a stress on the family that has been alleviated. One of the things that we see is when a woman brings money in under her own name, there's a greater chance that she's going to have part of the decision-making about what happens to that money. One of the stories from one of our earliest entrepreneurs, Grace, became an entrepreneur um, because she and her husband adopted the children of her husband, Patrick's two brothers, 
who died of AIDS. And so they had amongst them and then their nieces and nephews that were now part of their family, they had 10 children that they were taking care of. And Patrick was a counselor at a hospital providing counseling to families who have AIDS, who a member has AIDS, but he wasn't making a lot of money doing that. That was a lot, you know, not very well paid. They've got 10 children to feed, to clothe, and to try to send to school. Grace became a solar sister entrepreneur. And with the money she made as an entrepreneur, what she told us was, you know, thank goodness for this money, because now I'm able to send all of the children to school the boys, and also the girls. And so it's that kind of alleviation of financial stress that has an impact on Grace. You know, she's able to send her kids to school, which is a priority for her. And it's also kind of this multi-generational impact because if there wasn't enough money, the decision would be, well, we'll send the boys to school, but the girls maybe not don't have to as much. You know, the priority isn't there. And so she was able to also send the girls to school and so that is not just empowerment, economic empowerment for Grace, but it's like this empowerment at the next generation for those girls, as well as, you know, they look up at their mother and they're like, wow, my mom's an entrepreneur. You know, look what I can do. A powerful example of a change maker within that community to see the transformation of the role of women. It's really inspirational in the work and, and I can relate a lot with what we are discussing. And the question now that is where do you want to take Solar System? How do you see the future? What are your next goal and aspiration? When we first started, there were 800 million people in Sub-Saharan Africa that don't have access to energy. And there has been tremendous work and a lot of focus, a lot of people involved, a lot of organizations and even, you know, um, governments focused on energy access over the last 13 years. But the Fact is, if you look at the statistics today, there are still 800 million people that don't have access to energy. And it's because Africa has such a high birth rate. So the population is growing faster than the rate of electrification. Even though so many more people do have access to electricity, rate of growth means that the people who don't have access to electricity is also growing. The very issue that we started with, which is like people need access to electricity in order to power up their lives, live, you know, sustainably and to live, you know, to power their lives, still exist. And Solar Sister has proved to be a very practical, on the ground, grassroots, sustainable model to provide people with access to electricity. But I guess I feel a little bit like Fatma. I'm still working on this issue and I need to do it more. So we need to have more people involved. So my goal is that people hear what's happening with Solar Sister and we can get more people involved in supporting this work so that we can do have more Fatmas out there, more Solar Sisters and her six friends. And we need to multiply that by thousands and thousands so that everyone has access to electricity. It's really still a movement and the work, and there is still a lot of work. As you say, in the last 10 years has been some improvement, but of course, it's still a lot. And I want to ask this, uh, we are going towards the end of the episode, the usual tips. Uh, so you have been very successful. You spoke at forums. You have been you know, recognized as a change maker. And I want to ask, for what advice you want to give to the individuals, to organizations that look to support women economic empowerment, maybe the clean energy access, especially you know, in Africa, where this postcard is based? Uh, my advice comes from my own experience, which is that 
when you see the problem in front of you, the one that presents itself to you, just stick with that and be humble and dedicated and persevere to find the solution. And then also work with, be open to listen to what others have to say. And in particular, the people that are most affected by the issue. I think Solar Sisters success comes from the Solar Sister entrepreneurs themselves. They are the ones who are doing the hard work. They are the ones who inform us of where the opportunities are and what we're doing right and also what we're doing wrong. And so always remembering that um, the, for us, the Solar Sister entrepreneurs are the experts and we are the facilitators. And so just keep it in mind to keep the problem at the forefront and not necessarily your own solution, but be flexible about to solve the problem, take the input from the people who are most affected by it. And this is such a powerful insight, often forgotten by many people that they want to bring the solution rather than listening to the people on the ground and resolving the problem. And then I think that is the best way also to give the people that are listening to us on other way you can work also and be a change maker in your space. And I want, really want to thank you so much, uh, Catherine, for this wonderful and insightful episode. It has been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.